turn in your Bibles to Psalm 136. In November of 1980, if you can remember back then, I'll try to make a lot of jokes about how I wasn't born yet. (laughs) But in November of 1980, this church officially became a church. So 35 years later, and and I'm, I'm actually thankful it's around, it was in November, because we can both celebrate Thanksgiving, which is coming up on Thursday, and be thankful for the history of this church. And so today we're going to look at Psalm 136 that we all read, that you should now have at least half of it memorized. And we are... (laughs) Some of you took a second on that one. Um, (laughs) But we are going to look at what it means to be thankful, and I'm going to be using stories from our church's history to help us better understand how I live a thankful life. A life thankful to God. And so as we look at Psalm 136 through the lens of our local church history, we're going to see a big idea. I really just stole from verse 1, but the big idea is give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. So first, I'm going to break up the, this, this psalm according to the slides that we had you read. And the first thing we're going to see is that we're called to be thankful for who God is. Look at verses 1 to 3. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. The foundation of our being able to be thankful and grateful for all that we have, the foundation for that is who God is. So what do we see from these verses about who God is? One, he is good. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. It is in his character to do what is right and just. And so we we can be thankful because we serve a God who is good. Now this might sound automatic to us, but if you read other religions, take for example uh, the Greek religion, the Greek gods, they were not good. (laughs) In fact, some of them were worse than the people (laughs) that they made. (laughs) But our God is a good God. He always does the right thing, and he is always good and perfect and holy. And that does not change. And not only is God good, he is loving. The refrain that is repeated over and over again, that his steadfast love endures forever. The God of the universe is a good and loving God, and that never changes. His steadfast love endures 
forever. His steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. The God that we serve is good, and he is loving, and he is the true God of the universe. Look at verses 1 to 3. He calls him the God of gods and the Lord of lords. There are many competing claims throughout history about who the God of the universe was and is. But the God of the Bible, our God, is the only God. And so we can be thankful because our God is real. And our God is the true God with power and strength. And he loves us. And loves us so much that he always does good. And good for us. And so as we look at this psalm in light of our church history, that 35 years ago, our God was a good God, a loving God, and the true God of the universe. And today, he is exactly the same. As in Hebrews 13, verse 8, it says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when we look at history, there's so much history in the Bible, and then when we look at our personal history, we see how God acted then, and how he's going to act today, and how he will then act in the future. So God was good and loving and the true God of the universe back then. He is the good, loving, true God of the universe today, and in the future, forever, he will be the good, loving, true God of the universe. That does not change. And in a world where everything changes and everything is disposable, our God does not change. And his love for us does not change. So we're thankful for who God is, and that is the basis, the foundation of everything. But we're also thankful for what God has done. And the first actions of God we see in this psalm is we are thankful for the God who created. Look at verses 4 to 9. To him who alone who does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, For his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. The true God of the universe, the God who is good and the God who is loving, does stuff. What does he do? He does great wonders. First of all, he is capable of doing great wonders. Our God is not some impotent little statue. Our God is the powerful God of the universe who does what he wants. 
And specifically, he created this entire universe. Look at verse 5. To him who by understanding made the heavens. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. He made the heavens and the earth. Two parts of the whole means everything. To him who made the great lights, the sun to rule over the day, the moon and stars to rule over the night. He made every single star. And he made the enormous sun by which we have life on this planet. But why does that cause us to be faithful? I mean, other than being a cool trivia question, who made the universe? Answer God. And it wasn't even the third question, but it's church, so the answer has to be God. Um, Why? Why does it matter that God made everything? What does that matter to me today other than to be thankful that we have a son and the son is not extinguished so we die? But why does it matter that God created all these things? There's a reason I asked the worship team to sing This Is My Father's World. It was a great hymn, recognizing that our God is the creator of all things, and particularly verse 3. I want to read it to you again. This is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget. So it begins with this statement of this. This is God's world. He made it. It's his. He owns it. And then the second line there. That though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. If God made the universe, it's his, he owns it, and because he owns it, he's the ruler of it. He is the king of the universe that he made. And though the wrong seems off so strong, as was mentioned earlier, You don't have to look around a lot to see how strong evil is in our world. I mean, the newspaper could have have written this sermon. (laughs) Might have done a better job, but we'll just hold back for now. But when we see the attacks in Paris and Beirut and in Mali just to name the ones that have happened within the last month, where the wrong seems off so strong. This hymn and our Bible call us to remember that this is my Father's world. And guess what? That was true 35 years ago, where there were different threats where there were different dictators, where there were different terrorists. And it's true today with the threats we have today and it will be true forever because his love endures forever. Now for us as a church, where our church is located is in the middle of a beautiful 
part of God's creation. So you walk into your backyard (laughs) or you look out your windows at your home and you are reminded, this is my Father's world. We are blessed that where we are geographically can so vividly remind us that God is the creator and therefore the king of this world. And if he can make a son, he can protect us. (laughs) If he made every single star, he is in control of little people. And so we don't have to fear Because God is still and will always be the ruler of his world. Thirdly, I want us to see that we're thankful for the God who saves. So we're thankful for who God is. We're thankful for his work of creation and ruling this world. And we're thankful for the God who saves sinners. Look at verses 10 to 16 with me. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever, and brought Israel out from among them, from his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. In this section of the psalm, the psalmist reminds the Israelites of their own history. And he reminds them of the story of the Exodus of where God saved his people out of slavery with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Where God defeated the great king of Egypt, the strongest nation at that time, and defeated all of their gods through the plagues and brought them out and even separated the sea so that they could leave. It is the greatest picture in Israel's history of the redemption of God's people, of him bringing them out of slavery into freedom. It is a picture of them being saved from slavery. And for us, it reminds us of our own history in that each of us was called out of slavery to sin into newness of life through Christ. That God did not leave us enslaved to our sin, but saved us through Jesus. That through Jesus, he has redeemed a people and has defeated sin and death. And it reminds us that the only reason we exist as a church is because God has always been in the business of saving sinners by his grace. God has always been in the business of calling out a people 
to follow him and to save them from sin. Now the picture for the Israelites was the Red Sea of a mighty God separating the water and allowing them to walk through. For us, the picture is slightly different. It's what the Red Sea pointed towards. And that is the cross of Christ that made a way for us to walk to God. That we have been not saved from physical slavery, but we have been saved from a slavery to sin that comes by grace through faith in Jesus who died on a cross. And with our church, we remember that with our little landmark. There's a reason that when the mower kept hitting the rocks, and the thought was, we need to move the rocks, well, what do we do with the rocks? And we make, thank you, Florence, we make it into a cross. And we put it on a hill for us to see every time we come to church, every time we drive by to remind us that at the center of this church is the cross of Jesus Christ. It's not just a landmark to describe where the church is because people don't know. And we end up saying it's the one on the hill with the cross and the Christmas lights in Green Bank. But it's a landmark of our faith. It's something that we visually see every time we go by to remind us that we were dead and enslaved in our sin. But God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law through dying on a cross for me and for you. And so it's more than a geographic landmark. It's more than a nice place to put some rocks so we don't break the mower anymore. (laughs) Thank you, Tom and Al boys, for that one. (laughs) But as we're created to remind us that at the center of who we are is the cross of Jesus Christ. And since it's the center of who we are, It drives what we do. If we believe that at the center of who we are is that through the cross of Christ, we are saved by grace through faith from our sins, it means we do. We tell others about the cross of Christ. We have puppet ministries that kids do to share the gospel. I'm sure there's some great videos of some of you from back then in those with those puppets. (laughs) We did that back then for kids. Today we have our Awana and our MOPS program to share the cross of Christ with those who do not know them. We did it back then, we do it today, and we're going to do it in the future because at the center of who we are is Jesus. We'll do things like I don't know, 
host a Thanksgiving meal for the community because I'm not at the center, Jesus is at the center, and our world needs to know about Jesus. We have a God who saves, and we are thankful for him saving us, but it also pushes us out to share that message with others. Because God saved people back then. He saves them today. And he will save them until he returns. Fourthly, we're also thankful for the God who triumphs. Look at verses 17 to 22. To him who struck down great kings for his steadfast love endures forever and killed mighty kings for his steadfast love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage for his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to his servant Israel for his steadfast love endures forever. This part of the psalm covers the conquest of the promised land in books like Joshua and Judges. It's a part of history where Israel was called to go into the promised land and get the land that God had promised them, hence the name promised land. It's a pretty good one. We'll keep it. And what it is celebrating that God fulfilled his promises. He said, I will give you this land. And he did. And he did so by conquering their enemies. And it wasn't because they were great military tacticians, but it was because God was giving them a place to live and to worship. That it wasn't because they had a huge army and were able to defeat their enemies. It was because God gave them the land. Even when they didn't deserve it. As I think about our church's history, I cannot cannot help but be reminded of how God has provided this land for us. Let me read to you from the church's history that Dave has written for our membership class. There's copies over there next to the, um, next to the pictures. It says this, The charter membership of 20 was formed and status as a member congregation of the Pacific Northwest District was granted in November 1980. Sunday services were begun in April of 1990 at the Deer Lagoon Grange Hall. So every time you you drive past that building, you can think about how God was faithful to provide back then. In August, a move was made to the Green Bank Progressive Club. So again, there's another building you can drive past. And maybe some of you, anyone here remember those days? I don't know. Okay, good job, guys. But in January of 1981, a gift of 7.4 acres fronting Highway 525 two miles south of Greenbank 
was received from Bud Waterman, a generous Whidbey Island landowner. Work was begun in September of 1982 on a 6,300-square-foot building by a great crew of volunteers from across the Pacific Northwest District. The shell was erected in just one week, and volunteers continued to work to complete the building, which was dedicated on September 11, 1983. Again, I'm not going to interject my history on that date for some of you. It's okay. But God provided land as a gift. And then God provided workers from across our district to come and work on the building. God provided for us then. He provides a place for us today and will provide a place for us in the future. Let me read to you from the paper on May 16, 1983. This is, there's a copy of this over there. The headline is this, Green Bank's First Church Rises on a Hill. <laughs> Thanks, Florence. <laughs> Let me read you the byline. The Green Bank Evangelical Free Church, I don't think they got the name right, um, high on a hillside has already become an attractive landmark as the community's first church building. So we rose on this hillside back in 1983 and God has kept us here by his grace. And so that we can celebrate his faithfulness over the years. God also provided when the church built on the education wing in the early 2000s. And he provided for the mortgage to get paid off in 1996. God has provided for this church. And we are still here because of him, not because of us. But our place here reminds us that God providing this place for us to live and to worship also reminds us of our promised land. We have not been promised dirt somewhere like the Israelites were. But the New Testament is very clear that we have an inheritance, that the land inheritance of the Israelites points forward to an inheritance that all believers will have. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 to 14 says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The eternal life that we have through Christ is our promised inheritance. And just as the promised land of the Old Testament pointed forward to eternity and the inheritance that all believers would have, that our too, we can look at this building and it can be a physical reminder 
of the place that God has promised us in eternity. That just as God provided the promised land of the Israelites and just as God provided a place to worship for our people 32 years ago, so too God will provide an eternal promised land for all who believe in him. Because God always acts the same. If he fulfilled his promise back then and fulfills his promise now, he will fulfill his promise into eternity. Fifthly, I want us to see that we are thankful for the God who graciously provides. Verses 23 to 26. It is he who remembered us in our lowest state, for his steadfast love endures forever, and rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. God provides for his people out of his grace. Look at verse 23. It is he who remembered us in our low estate. It is not because of how great we are or how awesome we are. It is how great and awesome our God is. And because he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, he will provide what we need. He will provide when we have a little, and he will provide when we have a lot. Our church over the years has been different sizes. There have been times where it's been smaller and where it's been bigger, and where it's been smaller again and bigger again, and then smaller again and bigger again, and it's a pattern. (laughs) But no matter how big or small we are, God still provides. He always provides because it is out of his love for us. One of the ways that the church saw this in their history was when Pastor Dave came here. They asked Pastor Dave to come and be the pastor. And he said, I've got a better idea, because he's always got a better idea. (laughs) There are multi-levels on that joke. Come on, people. You got to appreciate that one. So what did they do? Dave said, look, don't pay me full-time. Pay me part-time and pay my son Phil part-time. And as we're able, we'll work towards both being full-time. And over those years, and it wasn't many years, where God provided for this church to have both of them full-time. God provided for the Israelites God provided for this church and God will continue to provide for this church. Because his steadfast love endures forever. Let me close with this. That as we consider 
our church's history, as we consider our own history, I hope that that refrain stays with you. That God's steadfast love endures forever. We can be thankful this Thanksgiving season, this time as we remember what God has done for this church. Because our God is the true God of the universe. He is the one who created us and gives us life. He is the one who through the death of Jesus saves us from our sin and death. He's the one who triumphs over his enemies and brings justice. And he is the one who provides for all of our needs. And as we remember all that he is and all that he has done, both in the past and in the present and in the future, we can say, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray. God, that this, during this Thanksgiving week, we would be so thankful for what you have done. That we would remember all that you have done for us and how good you are and how loving you are to us. And that we would look back in our own history and see how you have been faithful and how your love endures forever. And God, that we would trust you to provide And that we would trust you when our world seems in such chaos and in violence. God, that we would see you as the God who provides all things by the power of his mighty hand. And that with the psalmist, we can say, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Amen.